0: Working more hours is not always the answer. In fact, it rarely is the answer to making more money.
1: Welcome to This Mom Knows. I'm your host, Jenny Wren. You're going to love today's guest, Kate Kordsmeyer. She's a mompreneur who recognized early the power of systems to support her desire to be her best as both mom and entrepreneur, and she has lots of wisdom to share. When you're done listening to today's episode, be sure to head on over to thismomknows.com slash podcast, where you'll find links to the resources mentioned in today's episode. We've all heard the expression, work smarter, not harder, and it's a great sentiment, but it doesn't actually do anything to help us move forward. My guest today has a system for doing just that, scaling your income without burning out, but instead doing it from a place of rest and calm. Kate Kortzmeyer is a writer, educator, and creative entrepreneur. She lives in Atlanta with her husband, Matt, and their two kiddos, Jackson and Gemma, and their three fur babies, Scout, Boo, and Finch. And yes, they are named for the characters in To Kill a Mockingbird. She left a flourishing freelance writing career to start a holistic wellness blog called Root & Revel, which became a multi-six-figure business. She now teaches other heart-centered online entrepreneurs to monetize their online business with sustainable tactics that don't result in burnout or selling their soul. She does this through two courses that she offers, and she's also a fellow podcaster. And you can hear her on the podcast, Success with Soul. Welcome, Kate. Thank
0: you so much for having me. What a, It's always fun to hear somebody else read your bio. I'm like,
1: oh, that sounds good. Right? Yeah. like I'd like to know this person. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds great. <laughs> right. So that did tell us a lot about you, but um, it didn't tell us enough. So uh, <laughs> where did you grow up? How did you end up in Atlanta? And maybe tell us about your love uh, for, of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> yes. Well,
0: I'm from the South. So my love for To Kill a Mockingbird probably starts there. Um, but I actually, I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta and, um, went to college in, at the University of Georgia in Athens. Um, and then I bounced around a lot. I moved to LA and then Dallas and Washington DC. And then, um, my then boyfriend now husband got transferred back to Atlanta and, you know, we felt like, well, our family's here and, probably going to move back eventually so let's go and so now that was in 2013 so you know what is that yeah. eight years gosh yeah. um yeah so we've been back in Atlanta for eight years and um it's it's been uh it's been a whirlwind since then we got married bought a house moved uh, bought a new house had two babies and you know I've had uh, three different businesses in that time so it's it's been um, nothing but chaos, basically.
1: <laughs> You've lived a lot more than eight years of life in eight years, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's great. So you come from a place of experience, and we're going to talk today about the thing that you know, which is scaling your income without burning out. Um, but let's start by going back a little bit to your freelance writing career. Yeah, What were you writing about? Um, was it holistic wellness related or was it just completely different?
0: Completely different. I was a food and travel writer. Um, so it was literally my job to eat and travel the world and report back on the, the most, you know, delicious uh, meals and hottest chefs and, you know, most spectacular views and all of that kind of stuff. So it was in many ways a, a dream job. And um, yeah, so nothing to do with wellness.
1: <laughs> but I suppose when you start eating all sorts of decadent and <laughs> indulgent foods, it, it does have an impact on wellness.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think actually more so than any of the food I was eating, the stress of being on the road all the time and mm. having a business that was 100% trading my time for dollars, yes. um, that impacted my health more so than anything else. If anything, now looking back in hindsight, I could say um, that this the, the plus side of, like, the most, you know, being able to eat the most delicious foods and try all this new stuff and experience all these different cultures probably helped my wellness and, you know, okay. improved my health. Um, but it was stressful.
1: Yes. Yes. I yeah. i can't imagine. On the one hand, it sounds very glamorous, but you're right. That would be that trading of time for money um, would be stressful. And you you told me that you've had uh, a byline in more than 125 magazines, which is very impressive and it had to feel like great validation that you were succeeding. Um, so what was it in all of that that caused you to choose a different path? And you know, why did you change lanes and head in a new direction?
0: Yeah, it's such a good question. Because yeah, on the surface, everything seemed great. And like I, you know, had the career most people dream of, and I got a cookbook published and was, you know, featured in huge national magazines. It was, and it was great for a time. Um, but I think I, there were you know, it was the perfect storm of a lot of different things in my life happening. You know, I had moved back to Atlanta. Um, it was a very different media scene in Atlanta, especially from when I was living in DC, which, um, all editors always needed somebody on the ground in DC, somebody who could report back about what was going on there. It had a very hot food scene and so does Atlanta. Um, but editors, you know, Atlanta's less of a destination. Um, and so, that changed things a little bit. Um, we got married when I moved back, and so I was, you know, getting older, wanting to settle down a little bit more. And everybody always said, "Oh, it's so great that you're freelance because you could have kids and super flexible, like you're your own boss." But the more I started thinking about it, as you know, becoming a mom started coming up in my radar, it was like. Well, actually, no, because if I take a maternity leave, I only get work when I'm writing. And Mm -hmm. so if I take maternity leave, I'm not writing. I'm making zero dollars. And then if I have a kid and I have to take care of that kid, um, you know, it's like I only have so many hours. What? How can I do this? And, um, you know, and also... Print media was changing dramatically. And so budgets were being cut and magazines were folding. So there was some of that pressure and things like that changing. And I was having a lot of health issues. Hmm. And like I said, in hindsight, now I could say, well, of course you were having a lot of health issues. That was very stressful, you know, even some things that are good stress. But like if you've ever planned a wedding, it's very stressful, you know, moving to a new state. So, yeah, it was very stressful, and I started looking for what could I do that is a little bit more passive and reliable, and um, and I have a greater income. Like I was making right around six figures from my journalism career, but it felt like that was it. Like I was never really going to make that much more than that mm-hmm. um, because I didn't have time to write more than that, and that was the only way to to scale your income was to work more hours. Yeah. Um, I was already writing for the top publication. So it wasn't like, I'll, you know, I'll succeed more and then better publications will pay me more. It was like, no, that's, I'm already doing that. So yeah, so I um, was reading income reports on a food blog that I followed and they were talking about how they were making like $30,000 a month from their blog. And it was just recipes. And I was a recipe developer as well. So I mm-hmm. had developed recipes for dozens of different magazines. And so I was like, well, I could do that. And instead of making $500 a recipe, you know, I could be making a lot more. Right. And so I decided to start a blog. And it was sort of like part food blog, because that was what I knew. And mm-hmm. then Um, I was also sort of chronicling this health journey that I was on and um, sharing, sharing that. And so that was how Root and Rebel came to be.
1: Okay. So, um, and this leads into my next question, but you started answering it, you know, you did not have kids when you started this blog, but you were looking ahead to what life would be like with kids and laying that foundation for it. So um, that's really smart. (laughs) Um, That you did that then, because, you know, myself included, and many of my listeners were like in that mom stage going, yeah. I'd like to do something. And right. so, so well done looking ahead and going, <laughs> I'll do all the really heavy lifting before I have the before kids. Before <laughs> I do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I can't, you know, there was maybe some foresight there, but there was so, like I said, there were so many other things happening too yes. that it wasn't just thinking that. I'd love yeah. to say, oh, I was just so
1: brilliant that I did right. Knew. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just say you were. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're brilliant. Um, so, so so it was part food blog and then it was part um, wellness because of you coming out of this place of stress and, and your health having some challenges as a result of that. Is that correct? Yeah, okay.
0: yeah exactly. And it, it, when I first, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and PCOS. Mm-hmm. So two kind of chronic illnesses that there is no cure. Um, but there were some things that I was learning about more holistic alternative health strategies that were like, you could potentially not have to take medication. You could potentially not have to adjust your diet too much, but by, um, some of these other more holistic lifestyle changes, I was finding a lot of relief. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I wanted, I felt like I wanted to share that with, with others who maybe were experiencing something similar. And now when I look back kind of on the the different paths my career has taken, I can see that I see, I kind of have this pattern that wasn't conscious at the time that was like, I learned something, I figure out how to do something and then I want to show other people. So I figured out how to put kind of my health conditions in remission, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to teach other people how to do that. And then I created a six-figure blog and then I wanted to teach other people how to do that. And then I created a six-figure course business and I wanted to teach other people how to do that. So it's kind of just like, as soon as I learn something new, I'm like, cool, let me show somebody else how to do this.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's excellent. That was, I was going to ask you about what made the transition from doing it to teaching others to do it. And do you still, do you still have the Root & Revel? Is that still active?
0: Yes, it is. Um, Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's still active. It still exists. Um, I have been in the process of selling the business this past year, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster and some ups and downs. Um, So currently, um, at the time of this recording, I'm still the owner, Mm -hmm. but I also have basically not touched it in almost two years now because I had my second child. And then I also started a second business and I just kind of put it on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, traffic and revenue have obviously been affected, although it took over a year before I really saw a dip, um, Mm -hmm. in anything, but it's also very cool now that it's like, wow, I don't touch this. And it's still making like five to $10,000 a month and I'm not doing anything.
1: Yes. My, my husband started a small blog a couple years ago and he hasn't touched it in a good 18 months. And every Mm -hmm. month I get, I mean, it's not big bucks, but I'm like, this is just not fair. You're making (laughs) money doing nothing. Nothing. And I'm still trying to build something here. (laughs) I know. Well, uh, it's a,
0: it's a, you know check in the pro box for blogging because it really has such a long shelf life and so yes. even if if you need to take a break whether that's like a maternity leave or several years off to figure out you know something new or whatever yes. you can still actually keep earning from it even though you're doing literally nothing on it so
1: yeah yeah it is and- the fact, like you mentioned, that you can now sell it. I mean, it is a real business. And I think that's still one of those misconceptions that, you know, maybe not actual bloggers have, but people around. It it seems like it's your own personal space where you're sharing your thoughts. And, and I don't think that people, they look at it more like I own a job as opposed to I'm building a business that yeah. I could sell because it's not real, you know, it's not breaking (laughs) order.
0: Right. And it has made me really think about how to create sellable assets when the other businesses that I'm building and the way that I approach the blog content and all of that, because I mean, and I I also think the landscape of blogging has changed so dramatically in the last 10 years but even just in this past year where it used to be yeah it's just you sharing your personal updates and you know that it was like an online diary and now it's it's so different and I feel like all businesses actually need to have a blog component because it's the best way to get organic traffic and leads to your website no matter what you're selling or what your business is
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's like I have a clogged drain and you go and you discover somebody's got a tutorial on how to unclog a drain and you're, like, oh, they're a business in my neighborhood. I can I just right. call them to come unlock unclog my drain, you know? Exactly. Um yeah, that's excellent. So one of the things that we talk about here a lot is delegation and this idea that, you know, especially as moms, we feel like we need to we need to do it. And it can feel very um oh, I don't know, lavish just to delegate it, you know, <laughs> but it's important to delegate. So yeah. do you have a team that you've built around you? And and when did you decide to start to add a team to what you were doing?
0: Yeah, I, I love this question because I think it's, you know, hundreds of years of patriarchy telling us that if we, um, get help or we can't do it all ourselves, that we're selfish and we're, you know, not good enough. And none of that is true. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we can have it all, but we can't do it all. And we certainly can't do it all by ourselves. Um, so what i I think I hired my first Well, that's maybe not true. I was going to say I hired my first VA a couple years into blogging and I just had her, you know, a few hours a week. And then we grew from there until she ultimately ended up becoming a full-time employee. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I've hired, you know, I hired a Pinterest, um, agency, I've hired Instagram help. I've hired SEO people. So some of it's been like very specific Mm -hmm. and they're not like, full team members. Um, and then now today I have three full-time employees and a dozen, you know, contractors and other people on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also have childcare and a house cleaner and somebody who does our yard work, you know, like I have a lot of support. And I think (laughs) if I didn't,
1: none of, none of any of it would be possible. Right. Right. And, and, we often talk about the trade-off but um this idea was introduced to me uh recently that it's actually an elevation that the more we delegate now we can do what we're good at and someone right. else can do what they're good at and it makes it all happen and so if you weren't hiring these people they might not have employment and you wouldn't have the income that exceeds what they cost you you know so right. it's it's not yeah it's an interesting mindset shift that I think yeah. a lot of moms struggle with Yeah. I love that
0: because you hiring somebody is helping their life. Like you're giving their life purpose. You're giving them, like you said, an income, whether it's because they clean your house once a week or because they're, you know, on salary at your company. Mm -hmm. Um, And then yes, it frees you up. And there are so many hats that you have to wear as a business owner and nobody is good at everything. Like nobody is (laughs) the best writer and accountant and, um, you know, marketer and salesperson and operations manager. Like there's so many different things. So yeah, once you figure out really what you're good at and how you can move your business forward and then basically just delegate the rest
1: and i think in this world of online and growing you know virtual businesses it's easier to do that because you can hire someone to do something 2 hours a week instead yes. of you know i don't you know can just start super small yes yeah. yes exactly yeah. i i my first one that i hired was just to outsource the creation of six canva images a week and the posting mm-hmm. into the you know social media planner yeah and it wasn't the time it took. It was the, it was the, the bother it was to me. And so removing that was like, Oh, this huge weight lifted, even though it didn't take that long, it was mentally draining. You know, I didn't like it. So yeah, yeah. totally. And what took you
0: hours might take them minutes and because that's what their zone of genius is. And yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Which I will admit when she's like done, I'm like, okay, I'm paying you to do it that fast. And I was like, no, I'm paying you. So I result. don't have to do it, you know? Right. But yeah, there is that little bit of, well, I could have done it that fast, but no, really I couldn't have. So right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you have both a podcast and a blog. And so in fact, there's in the podcast community that I'm part of, it's often discussed how you integrate the two really well. And, um, I know your katekordsmeyer.com blog does this really, really well. And so this might be a chicken and an egg question, but when you create new content, are you thinking about it from the blog side first or from the podcast side? Um, what drives it?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, So, and I will say it's changed recently because my podcast is about a year and a half old now. And so we, you know, try things one way, see how it works, make some changes and what's not working. So, um, The way that I went about it was, let's see if we can feed three birds with one seed. So I can record a podcast interview and have the video on. I'll take the audio and I'll publish that to the podcast player. I'll take the video and I'll publish that to YouTube. And then I'll create a blog post that has the written show notes with the transcript and then maybe even embed the YouTube video and the podcast player right into the post. So now I've done something once, but I've gotten three pieces of content of it. And then you can have a VA go in and repurpose pieces of it for social media or something. Yeah. So yeah. um so we have been doing it that way and it is working well in some aspects, but what it is not working super well in is people finding the podcast in Google search and then coming to like, maybe they type in something like, um, how to, how to do an evergreen funnel. That's one of our podcast episodes, something we teach. Um, if they type that into Google and they see a podcast episode as the result they're not going to click it because they're not looking for a podcast episode. They're looking for an answer right then and there. Okay, And so we've figured that like we really actually have to match search intent for blog posts, whereas podcast episodes are more about just giving people content, really connecting with them on a deeper level. You know, they're not really searching for topics so much as they are either once they find you, they're just listening every week. um, Or they're looking for broader topics as a whole, like a podcast as a whole that talks about something. Um, So now we're kind of changing our approach slightly where we have content that we're writing for the blog that is to match that user intent and really give them an answer right then and there. And then we're having separate um, content for the podcast that is really more about that connection, nurturing, letting them get to know, like, and trust me more, um, you know, and using the two a little bit differently.
1: So, so how does that actually, is that look like two actual pieces of content and two different links, or are you just building out the content in that blog post, which includes your links to the, to the audio and the video and the transcript? Are you just writing that more like it's a podcast? I'm sorry. Like it's a blog post. So that's what we had been doing where okay. we
0: had kind of extended show notes where we would give, you know, more of a summary, more details about what was talked about. And then we would like have some bullet points of like, here's what else you'll learn in the episode. But they basically, they weren't getting the answer to their question without listening to the episode or watching the video. So, and we're literally in the middle of making this change right now. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to continue doing that, but then we're also going to have separate content that is just a blog post. And it actually is like the answer to the question. So instead of saying, in this episode, you'll learn how to create an evergreen funnel. We'll say, here's how to create an evergreen funnel. so we can still repurpose. Like we can take what we talked about in the podcast episode and make it into a full blog post that they don't have to listen to the episode
1: to get the answer. Sure. But you could still point back over, if you'd like to hear more, go here to listen. Okay. So it will be two different posts, so to speak. Yeah, One for the episode, one for the blog. And that's interesting because that is this constant struggle of, and ultimately you want people... You want the listens, but you ultimately want the traffic to your website. And so right. if that's going to bring more people over to your website, then that obviously makes more Yeah, sense. What we found was basically that the podcast was
0: not mm-hmm. driving traffic to the website and we we would have a small group of people who would listen to the podcast and then go you know clicked over to something on our website, but we weren't getting cold traffic to yeah. the website because of the podcast. Yes. So now we're you know we're working more on creating SEO friendly blog content. Um, more of that traditional just written content and using that in addition to the podcast episode so that we people type in something and if you type in anything now like a question or just a you know a regular google search you'll notice podcast episodes don't even really show up in the search results and i think it's because it's not matching that search
1: intent of the user interesting so would you say that a podcast is more of a <clears throat> a current version of having published a book? It's a credibility builder as opposed to um, an actual way to, to build an audience.
0: I don't know. It's such a good question. And I've, I've been thinking about it so much because I think, yes, it definitely is a credibility builder. And people listen to even just one episode of a podcast, they really get to know you a lot more and your expertise and right. you know all that. So it is that. Is it, uh, an audience builder? I don't know. I, I mean, my personal experience so far has been, no, it, I have just been able to nurture my current audience more, mm-hmm. okay. but I have not really gained new people into my audience from the podcast. Now going on other people's podcast as a guest. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but my own podcast hasn't been as much of an audience builder. It's more of like an audience nurturer of okay. the existing audience.
1: Which makes a difference when you send out an offer because now they're much more, they're warmed up. To right. They're much more likely to respond to that. Okay. Right. Well, that that's helpful. That's a good way to to think about it because that's often the question. People say, I want to monetize my podcast. And you're like, well... It's difficult to monetize a podcast, but it can be part of a monetization plan. And then to to say, how does it fit well can often still be tricky because it depends on what you're talking about and what you're doing. My dad is always asking me, how do you make money from the
0: podcast? And I'm always saying I don't make money from the podcast because I don't monetize the podcast itself. Like I don't have sponsors or anything like that. I said, the podcast is a marketing strategy for me. It's how I get my audience to know, like, and trust me more. And then what, instead of having ad spots for, you know, um, Hello, Fresh. We mm-hmm. have ad spots for my free webinar. Of course, yeah, right. Yeah. my course, like so. It's yeah. It's more of a marketing strategy than a revenue driver. Yes,
1: yes. So, as your family has grown and as you've continued to work to integrate, you in know, home with business, what was the biggest challenge that you faced, um, particularly as you tried to keep the priorities of both from competing? Uh. It is challenging.
0: I will not lie. Um, And especially because I had my second child in May of 2020. So I was seven months pregnant when the pandemic first hit. So that really threw a wrench in everything. I know obviously for many
1: people. And talk about stress levels. Yes.
0: Yes. So it was very stressful. And then we had this whole plan of, you know, I was going to take a maternity leave. We were going to keep my son in daycare. And then Um, so I would be home just with my daughter and that, that went out the window because he didn't go back to daycare, um, for almost the rest of the year. He went back at the very end of the year. And so we had two kids home with us, no childcare, um, you know, no, even like, We did have some family help um, in the beginning, especially. But then as the pandemic kind of went on and then once my son went back to school, then my parents were like, well, if he's in daycare and we're not vaccinated, like maybe we shouldn't be around. So, you know, it was just so hard figuring out the right thing to do. Um, But what I always have to remind myself of this because... My business doubled in size last year and I worked less than ever before and I had less time and I had less energy and you know all of those things because I was home with two kids and no childcare I was postpartum and yeah. um you know all the things so it it was a good lesson and you don't like working more hours is not always the answer. In fact, it rarely is the answer to making more money. Um, so now both my kids are, you know, in daycare and I have 40 plus hours a week that I could be working. And I have to remind myself, like, that's not the answer to growing a business without burning out. Um, so I'm,
1: kind of talking in circles. Now you have to remind me what what your question was. It was, it was, what was that biggest challenge? And, but Mm -hmm. you had talked about earlier how you, you have a housekeeper and you have a landscaper who does the lawn and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so it sounds to me like you learned pretty early on that that was going to be key to keeping these things in balance was going to be, yes, you know, literally employing the help of other people yes
0: and i've taken that to an even new level this year because last year we also didn't have any of that support once the pandemic you know first hit yeah. so 2021 we're basically saying okay pandemic's over even though we know that's not true right. but yeah um, Life you know, goes on <laughs> right right life's going on so mm-hmm. you know now one of the things that was causing me the most stress was that i was cooking mm-hmm. and and i'm a food writer like i love to cook i love food Every day I would say I should be able to do this and I want to do this. And then every night, 6 30 rolls around and it's like, I have nothing. And so now we're just getting takeout or fast food or, you know, some for some frozen dinner or something. Yes. So Finally, I was like this clearly isn't working and no matter how much I feel like I should be able to do this, I'm just not and it's making me so stressed and it's expensive. Um, yeah. you know, so I we found a local chef in Atlanta who does it's sort of like a semi-personal yeah. per, personal chef where she has a set menu each week, we choose what we want from it. They deliver like made from scratch, you know, home-cooked food. Um, And now for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we just have our meals done for us. And I don't have – I have like a couple days a week where I leave for room for us to play or go out or do something. But Mm -hmm. um, it has been one of the biggest game changers for me. Just like the mental bandwidth, it has freed up of like not having to – Grocery shop and meal plan and actually cook and clean up and all the things. Yeah. Um, so I'm constantly finding, okay, what else could I outsource to free up my, you know, and save my mental health and sanity, free up yeah. that bandwidth, um, employ other people, give back um, in that mm-hmm. way. Um, I don't mean give back. It's not like it's charity, but you know, what no, we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Let someone else do their thing really right. well. Yeah. Right. So yeah, the
0: outsourcing the meals has been huge. And what I've just told myself also is like, this is just a season at this season of my life. I have two toddlers. I'm running two businesses. My husband's job is very busy. We don't have a lot of extra help. So this is what I'm going to do. And I, you know, especially I say this more so for my love of cooking and then feeling sad that I'm not doing it. And I'm just Mm -hmm. saying like, I will get back to cooking one day, but right now this is what
1: I need. And so Yeah. yeah, we are. It's like the uh, the college or grad student who loves to read, but it doesn't get to choose what they're reading right yeah. now. You're you right. that season. You will yes. get to choose again. Yeah, right, yes. right now.
0: Yeah, right now. This is what I need, and this is how I can guarantee my family has healthy, home cooked meals
1: on the table every night. And, yes,
0: and it's I don't a, have to worry. A better
1: about use it. <laughs> of that budget than yes. the, the pizza delivery guy. Exactly. <laughs> so, are you um, leaning into? mostly promoting existing things and kind of have this evergreen model, or are you still building new products and resources to continue to roll out new things for your audience?
0: Yeah. Um, so I say it's mostly leaning on existing things and figuring out more how to um, sell them in a more scalable and passive way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have been evergreen with all of my pro I have Currently, I have two courses and one high-ticket group coaching program, and um, all of them are sold on Evergreen and have been since April of 2020. So, right before I had my second daughter, Good. my second child, I said well, I can't live launch I, I you know, I, for at least a few months. So I need to figure out how to make money while I'm gone. And the Root & Revel blog component was great because that was already earning and I didn't have to do anything with it. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to be able to still sell these courses. So I turned on this evergreen funnel and I think we made – around $135,000 on my maternity leave. Wow. Um, so it worked really well. And we continue. Once I came back, I was like, why would I live launch again? This That's is right. great. Like, That's right. Oh my gosh. I'm just making this in the background. And now it's freeing up my energy to you know, really serve my clients and wow. to um, figure out other ways to grow the business and where to go next and all of that stuff. So then at the end of 2020, we did some tweaks to our funnel and, um, our strategy. And when we turned that on in January of this year, the evergreen funnel itself was earning $60,000 a month and it was all just being sold in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, so this year has been, I did launch a new product this year and that was my group coaching program I launched in the spring. Okay. Um, So, and now I'm really kind of transitioning to just doing that and I'm going to retire my main signature course, which feels kind of crazy, but also I think sometimes you have to give up good for great. And so that's, um, in the works right now. And, um, yeah, so it's, I feel like it's always just kind of tweaking what is, I'm very evergreen passive. This is how I have to be for my current lifestyle and what I need. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then my time is spent more just tweaking and figuring out what's working, what's not, how can I get, you know, more traffic organically without having to spend all day on social media and, right. you know, things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. And because you've put in that hard work for the passive, you have the capacity to tweak right. and plan ahead and, and look at what's growing well. So that's great. Yeah. Well, for the mompreneur listening who longs to, you know, operate from a place of rest while still bringing in this income, um, but is finding it so overwhelming, what is one of the very first things that she could do to begin to turn things around?
0: So let me just clarify, is this mom an existing business owner or does not have a business yet?
1: Um, It it could be either. I think a lot of the moms who listen are going, I either want to leave a full-time work and start something, or Mm -hmm. I've had this hobby and it's not going anywhere and I want to, I want to make it work.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like I'm known as the blogging girl and so um my thing is have a blog your blog is your home base for your business it's how you're going to get that organic traffic and those Organic leads without needing social media, without needing to spend money on paid ads. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do those things, great. They can just be a supplement to the more passive, you know, core focus. Um, but you have a blog, and um, and then from that blog, you can monetize the platform itself. And what I recommend now, especially is you can sell your own offers. So you have your own course or program or even physical products. I mean, coaching services, whatever it might be, it all works. Um, but using your blog as a way to get more leads into that offer, um, is yeah, I think the best, most passive way to, to build.
1: Excellent. Okay. And that's something you can do. 20 minutes here, an hour there, and you can start to really get that, that up and running without needing to sit down and work on it for eight hours generally.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The beginning. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it depends, you know, I mean, you could spend all day, every day working on it. And I think Mm -hmm. it just depends on your goals, your timeline, what, you know, what you're trying to do. I just say that caveat, because I think sometimes people hear this and they think, oh, this is great. I can build a six-figure blog and stay home with my kids. And I think,
1: no, you can't. Yes. There's (laughs) a lot between that though. But yes, yes, yes. my point being, if you have littles at home, you could say, "Ah, while they're napping, I'll spend an hour working on this and I'm not going to make money yet, but I'm doing a little every day to move it forward. Yeah, exactly. where I can. So, yeah. well, Kate, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, And I am, I'm a gadget girl. I love gadgets, processes, systems, anything that makes life easier. So my, my one question I ask every guest is what is your favorite time-saving gadget system or tool? Hmm. So, um, this is
0: less like techie, but I'm a big fan of cyclical living. And so, um, I plan out most of my tasks and what I'm doing based on what phase of my period I'm on and what phase the moon is in. And it sounds really woo woo and crazy, but (laughs) I swear it works. And it just (laughs) makes everything like you're not paddling upstream so much trying to do there's certain tasks that just your brain is going to focus and concentrate on better mm-hmm. during different phases, and so really getting into um, embodied with what's happening in my body, in the universe, and then planning my my tasks and schedule out from there has been a big game changer.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, and I think we could all relate that to a daily basis. Like we all know, well, I'm I'm more alert in the morning, or I'm I yes. better at night. So it would make sense, especially for us as women that that would work cyclically through the month as well. So that's interesting. That's great. So did you have, was there a book you read a blog you went to? Was there, how did you learn to do that? Yeah, it was a lot of things. It started because I do have
0: PCOS, which is a hormonal disorder. And so I first was introduced to the idea of cyclical living through a book called Woman Code. And, but that was really more about doing this for your health. And like you, you know, you have different nutritional needs and exercise needs, and all these different things change throughout uh, as your hormones fluctuate throughout the month. And so I approached it from that perspective first. Um, I then read a book well, there was many in between, but another pivotal one for me was um, Do Less and Kate Northrop is the author of that. And then I ended up joining her mastermind last year. And so that also helped me, you know, Approach take that cyclical living approach more to business and mm-hmm. thinking about more like your your daily schedule, um, but there are there's dozens of resources, hundreds of resources out there on on cyclical living now, and it is one of the things that we teach inside my incubator program um, as well. So it's yeah something that I've been doing for many years, and now again I did something, learned something. Yep. Now I got to teach it Show to other people.
1: people. Exactly. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Well, Kate, how can people connect? with you and why don't you also tell us about um, the free video series that you have for the moms listening.
0: Okay, great. So, um, the best place to connect with me is just on my website, which is Um, And I have a podcast called Success with Soul as well. So wherever you're listening to this one, you can go find um, mine. Um, and the free video series. So we have a couple different ones. Now, I have to remember which one my assistant <laughs> told you we were going to talk about today. Um, but I'll tell you, maybe I have something in particular that I think will be really good, which is um, a training that... That I recently did called six systems for six figure CEOs. Mm. And it's, um, very much like some of the unexpected things that it takes to build a six figure and beyond business. Um, and it's not just about hustling and working more and, you know, needing to grind it out. So, um, we can give you the link for that. We can go to, um, forward slash Jen, and you can get the
1: um, video there. Excellent. Well, Kate, thanks so much for your time today and, um, and all this wealth of information. I (laughs) I learned a lot and I know our listeners will too. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Are you as inspired as I am? Freedom and income for freedom with time is something every mompreneur desires. To help you get started, be sure to download Kate's six systems opt-in, and to go along with it, grab your copy of Recipe for a Perfect System at thismomknows.com slash system.